Ding ding, calling Tony Deneen. I repeat, calling Tony Deneen. Overall, Tony Deneen, please stand up. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> what an entrance. What is a what brilliant an entrance. entrance, ladies and gentlemen. We're using that. Keep on going. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess that's the start of our episode. Welcome, everybody. Uh, episode number 17 we're at now. We keep slogging it out, Mason. People aren't listening, but we're still making them soon. We're going to actually outdo the amount of listeners we have compared to the amount of episodes we have. So uh, I'm happy to meet that uh, goal. Milestone, I think, is the word I was looking for. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I believe that's my part done, which is the intro. I believe now it's your part uh to do the run through mason how have you been this week and what have we got for us today i've been good and that's such a seamless link i think we can only expect more listeners after after that wonderful entrance i'll be quite proud of getting more episodes for listeners actually i think that shows real durability consistency in difficult times for the world um if there's nothing else you can rely on you can rely on millsy and mason providing you a podcast for your listening listening pleasure even if you we're not providing it for your listening pleasure we're still <laughs> providing it exactly we're providing it for our speaking pleasure it doesn't roll quite so well off the tongue but anyway let's move yeah, let's on move on yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's get past that let's do that okay so episode 17 everybody so we've got today a very special Millsy's corner as they all are very special um before we get to Millsy's corner i'll tell you what else we're going to talk about so we're going to have a little money maker update later on the return of the famous mason's money maker the hearers have been asking for it we're going to deliver it's coming back today for your listening pleasure we've had several interviews in the last few episodes and today we're going to welcome a special guest mr tony deneen you may remember this voice from episode four when he talked about the entourage he would like to bring to the party. It's Tony Deneen to Millsy's Corner. Welcome, Tony. How are you doing? I'm good. Simon and Nick, thank you for having me. So happy to to join you in this episode. You're first naming us there, Tone. Um, I believe this is Millsy and Mason podcast, not the Nick and Simon podcast. But uh, we'll, we'll forgive you for that. It's a, It's got off to a poor start. Before we get going, I would like to ask people to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. going to put that in early this week because I, I keep putting it at the end of the episode and I feel like no one's getting there. So follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're Millsy and Mason on all of those platforms. Just put in the website dot com forward slash Millsy and Mason. We're probably on there. Whatever the website is, just whatever website's in dot com slash millsy and mason we're on that website check us out we're we're not on we're not on all websites with millsy and mason we're on um hotmails.com slash millsy and mason aren't we 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 are on hotmails yep we're not on i have to pretend i've forgotten what it's called now because my wife listens to this really that's so your wife is one of our six listeners. Well, that's that's very depressing considering one of them is also you. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I think we we actually bought her. She doesn't listen anymore, so it's all good. Ah, oh, that's good. That's I'm really glad to hear about that. So that that's an extra listener we've got. Everybody, I'm I'm in a good mood. Let's move on. Uh, I believe we're having the big debate in Millsy's corner today. So let's get to it. So today, ladies and gentlemen, Millsy's Corner is quite a hot topic and we've got two very different opinions. You'll find out very soon why Tony's with us. We are going to debate whether Arsenal are going to finish in the top half of the Premier League 
or the bottom half. Now, for full disclosure, we have an Arsenal fan with us in Mr. Tony Deneen. We also have a, let's say, um, not the biggest Arsenal fan in my co-host Milsey. So let's just set the scene like that. So you may know who's going to take which side of this argument, whether Arsenal will finish in the top half or not. Who knows? I mean, it could be the other way around. Well, for, for, for a completely fair and a non-judgmental uh, opinion, then perhaps it should be. But I don't think we're going to go that way. don't think so. OK, so Milsey, I'm going to put the floor first to you to present your case in, let's say, a very brief 30 seconds. We'll have opening statements, just like in a, in a court of law, perhaps. <laughs> so Milsey, opening statement, 30 seconds. Why will Arsenal not finish in the top half? Well, you've turned this into a very formal thing uh, that I wasn't prepared for, but uh, let's go. I mean, let's let's look at the first three games of the season. Um, first off, you conceded, I believe, let's count it in my head, 10 goals in three games, an average of three per game. Uh, you scored in that time. Let me count that in my head. Uh, it, it was none. So that was a bad start. Let's look at the, the, the two games after that. I believe that was your worst start since, uh, I believe, the 70s. The next two games... You came up against your relegation rivals, uh, Norwich. You you had one big chance in the whole entire game against a team that has is the only team in the top four leagues this season to have null point, uh, if you'll excuse my French. And you, you, you managed to batter them, batter them with a goal from your absolute superstar, which with the goal that came off the post and he had to knock in. Uh, Burnley after that uh, you, you won 1-0 again in something the media termed progress at a ground that you've not lost to at since the 80s which is not progress, it's continuance that was a free kick and otherwise you had nothing going for you really uh, then to- King Tottenham great performance great performance, I'm not going to lie, you destroyed them for 45 minutes and did nothing else after that and it's probably the poorest Tottenham team we've seen for about 10 years so um Let's not give you any sort of achievement or congratulation for that. Uh, then came Brighton, who severely, severely outclassed you despite not scoring a goal. That is my opening statement. Very good opening statement. Definitely stuck to the 30 second time limit that I set at the start. So thank you, Milsey, for doing that. I knew this would be a short segment. Tony, your retort, please. OK, I think we will end up in the top half of the table because... When I see where we ended last season and the season uh-huh. before it, and I see the team we have now, I think this team will end up higher in the table than last season. I'm not uh, saying that this Arsenal team will get to Europe, but I do think that they just need a bit of time to come together as a team. And uh, I think the, the first uh, performances are encouraging. They need time to come together as a team, but this is a team that played together all last season. You made no or no, you made one signing for the first team, I guess. Depends on whether you count Ramsdale, but you also made that right back, I guess. That's your only signing for the first team, correct? Well, when you see the team that played those first three matches, and I'll, I'll agree with you. I mean, when I saw those matches, I was shocked at how poor we were. But when you see that lineup now, with all the signings that uh, we made, and you know, you mentioned Ramsdale coming in for Leno, and we have the Tomiyasu, which came in a position where we had a big weakness there, and uh, we have now this young pair of centre backs, Gabriel and Ben White. 
I think the defense looks completely different to that one that we had last season. Yeah, yeah. completely different. If anything, worse. Oh. Well, uh, the right back, uh, the right back that we had before Tomiyasu, uh, we had a guy called Cedric playing, which was really poor. Uh, I think you'll agree. And I think our center backs have been a, a bit of a joke these past few years. So I think people were really quick to ridicule Ben White in what were his first matches with Arsenal. And when we all know that he was playing one of the best center forwards in Lukaku. No? So I, I just thought, I think the guy deserves a chance. And I don't think he's as poor as people make him to be. I think he just needs a few weeks with Gabriel to to really show that he's that he could be a, ver- a very solid uh, centre back for us. Picking up on the defence and the, and the goalkeeper information that you've added there, I think with Ben White, he played the first game right, which was the defeat against Brentford, but he was then yeah. injured for a couple of games. And when he came back in, that kind of coincided with when Tommy Yasu first started playing and when Aaron Ramsdale first started playing, which was the game against Norwich, I think. So those three all kind of came in, let's yeah. say, after those opening three defeats. And since then, they've had, is it three clean sheets, three win, uh, four clean sheets, three wins and a draw, something like yeah. this. And, and it coincided as well with Gabriel coming back into the team, because if you remember in the first couple of matches, we had this Spanish guy, Pablo Mari, which I don't rate at all. So in reality, the defense after those first three matches was almost completely new by just a series of circumstances that came together. No? Okay, but let's look at the facts. Okay, uh, we spoke about the defense. You've had three clean sheets in six games this season. Should we talk about goals as well? Because you've also scored, let me count in my head, uh, five goals in six games. You're averaging less than a goal a game. Yes. Arteta has also made signings in that area and also given Aubameyang a massive contract, which led to him to stop playing whatsoever. I mean, the only goal he got so far this season, uh, well, his first goal of the season, shall we say, was against uh, Norwich. And it was a, a goal he literally was not allowed to miss because it would then become too obvious that he wasn't playing for the team. Yeah, so so I agree with this. So the reason I started with the defence was because the reason why I think we will be in the top 10 of the table is because of our defence. If we actually last season, we will find out that Arsenal had the third best defense from the entire Premier League. Where I do think that we have big issues is scoring goals. Not only we don't score enough goals, because like you said, in seven matches, six, seven matches, we've scored only five, but we don't create enough chances. And that is a real worry for us fans, because it's not even that we are missing big chances. It's we are creating very few. So this is where we really rely on Odegaard to mature very quickly because he is the one player last season that we realized we could do with him. Like Smith Rowe needs someone else in partnership to create chances for Arsenal. And if Odegaard was not in that team, I would be very worried about where we end. But we are really hoping that Odegaard is going to help Smith throw create enough chances no, for us. Do you think that Arteta is the man to lead you to that glorious top half finish that you're looking for? Because 
I feel like he is a a poor man's Pep Guardiola, not even a poor man's Pep, Pep Guardiola, maybe like a, a third world country's bank accounts Pep Guardiola, if you're looking at the Pandora papers, you know? Yeah, it's really tough to be excited about Arteta. I mean, uh, I think most fans recognize what he's trying to do in that he's trying to shift players which we all agree are overpaid. And uh, as you know, that's a very difficult thing to do because not only are they not performing, but they're on really high wages, so nobody wants to take them. So he's trying to change this model that we were in this past few years, and he's bringing young players which are earning lower salaries. And I really like that because not only... so. He's giving a chance to young players to show what they're made of. But if they don't really work out, it's easier to shift them and replace them. So I do think that it's a healthier model. Uh, so I think all fans recognize that. What some of us are worried is if he's tactically as astute as we were hoping he would be, not being, a, you know, Pep's. Pep's sidekick. For example, that, that last match against Brighton, I mean, it was really impressive to see the pressing that Brighton were doing on us. I mean, they were pressing us with four players when we were trying to go out from the back. And this is something that I always expected Arteta to bring to Arsenal because Pep is known for, you know, chasing the ball and pressing. And we thought we would have that. But I saw last season some stat that Arsenal were ranked in the bottom six for number of high press. So those are things that are still a question mark with him. And uh, I don't think this contradicts what I said at the beginning, that I still think we will end up in the top half of the table. It's just that top half might be fine for this season because it will be an improvement on last. But top half cannot be our goal, no? And uh, the very fact that we're discussing if we're going to finish in the top half or not is proof of how low and how deep we've fallen as a club. Would would you say that then top half is progress for Arsenal at this point? Well, I I actually think that we will finish well into the top half. I am I am thinking that we will finish in a higher ranking than we did last. No, So we will finish eighth. And I'm thinking we we could do sixth or seventh. That's huge. It's small steps because I think uh, most Arsenal fans recognize when we look at our squad, there is a big gap between our squad and the likes of United, Chelsea, City, Liverpool. I mean, if I came here and I told you that our players are as good as yours, I think you would be laughing your head off. No, So so we need to recognize that we do still have a high number of players we need to get rid of, and we can only challenge the top four once we shift some of our players and replace them for for better ones. So let's throw a bit of context in with a, with a managerial position as we've gone on to the manager discussion. So Arsene Wenger had 20 seasons in the top four, followed by a couple just slightly out of it, right? Emery had a fifth place. Arteta's had an eighth place and another eighth place. If they got eighth place again or seventh, is that enough for him to stay? How long do you give him before he gets a top 
let's say, top four finish before he has to go? I don't think it's enough because he has better players this time. And uh, I expect him to do better with the players he has now. Uh, One stat that I saw that I thought was interesting is in that first season where he finished eighth, Arsenal were really 10 points of fourth place, which was Chelsea. Now, last season, we were again eighth, but we were six points of Chelsea. So even though, the, the let's say, the ranking was the same, we were a bit closer to fourth. So my goal is for us to end closer to that fourth place. No matter the ranking, I would like us to be closer than six points of Champions League spots. So that's the kind of the thing I look at in terms of where we need to be. I mean, you could say that's that's a sign of progress, but I would argue that last season's top four was the worst top four you've probably had for a while in their cumulative points. I mean, the fact that Man United sailed into second whilst having what a lot of people painted as a poor season. A lot of people painted United as having a poor season and they virtually sailed into Champions League because third and fourth were so poor. Um, I felt that your season last season actually went worse than what had come before. Yeah, well, what I'll say to that is I think this season is much tougher than last season because I think last season most of us agreed who would be the bottom three. Early enough, we kind of knew who were most likely to drop. But this season... I mean, uh, there's some, uh, let's say, uh, the likes of Brentford and Brighton. I mean, they're really playing exciting football. And I I honestly fear for anyone playing uh, Brighton now, because the way I saw them play, they are a good team. And it's no luck that they've got the results they've they've gotten. Yeah. And if they they had beaten Crystal Palace a couple of weeks ago, they would have gone top of the table after, I think, six games or something. I mean, they're they're not they're not a bad team. And it's no it's not a bad thing for you to have drawn against them, especially considering, I think, in the last couple of seasons, you lost to them at their place. I look at the stats. They were better than us on every single stat. I mean, everything from tackles to duels. Pressing and the number of shots, number of passes. So, yeah, in one way, it kind of brought us down back to earth after the big win over Spurs. Because, you know, we've been waiting so long for the team to actually not only win, but actually win well. You know, even the wins you mentioned, we've been winning just by one goal. So it was like that win against Spurs was like a switch. You know, we were like, finally... Finally, we are there. But then when you saw us against Brighton, then you realize actually there's a lot of work uh, that needs to be done. So so let's talk about the transfer market because you touched upon that earlier, Tony. And I want to get both yours and Millsy's thoughts on this. Arsenal were actually quite busy in the transfer market. And you mentioned several of the players earlier. Spent around £150 million, right? In getting Ben White and Tommy Yasu in defence, Ramsdale in goal, Odegaard. Uh, as well as Lukonga and Tavares. I'm not sure if they're playing yet or not, but £150 million on those. If we compare that to United for around £130 million uh, or maybe £140 million, Sancho, Varane and Ronaldo, and then Chelsea with Lukaku with £115, £120 or whatever it was. So 
how do you rate your transfer market? And then I'll let Millsy retort with his opinion. I'm really happy with what we brought in. I completely understand that these are players that haven't really achieved anything yet. So it's a bit of a gamble. But I like the gamble that he is playing. I mean, I really like the fact that they're young and eager to prove themselves. I think even Odegaard, uh, the fact that he has been snubbed by Real Madrid, I really think that these kind of players have really a point to prove. And I would have liked, like most fans, that they bring in someone experienced alongside the kids. No, It would have been really nice to bring... I don't know, a Cavani or, or or someone that could bring some balance and some much needed leadership. But I, I have to say that when I look at how they are performing, uh, at least I haven't seen one where I completely from the very beginning thought, okay, that was a waste of money. Uh, each one of them showed interesting qualities And the one thing I'd like to say is that, you know, I saw the charts where they show how Arsenal spent all this money and uh, they're the biggest spenders. But I always find those charts are misleading because they only focus on uh, the transfer fee when we all know that the likes of Ronaldo are earning uh, per week probably three, four times what these young players are earning. No, So, so I do think that uh, when you factor in the wages, This, what we've done is actually healthier financially for us, no? Because we understand that we, we have a budget that uh, bigger clubs do not have to worry so much about, no? So that's something that we always have to keep in mind. Okay. Yeah, I think I've got a feeling I'm going to hear about shirt sales soon. But Millsy, do you want to retort to Tony's <laughs> thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, you only have to mention one thing, shirt sales. How many people are out there buying a La Conga shirt or... A, a Ramsdale shirt, a Ben White shirt, even. I mean, I, my fear about Arteta is that he's he's saying he's got this, you know, thing in his head. Okay, I'm going to buy young players, and he is only buying young players. But I don't want to, you know, be a bit too uh, sort of 1992 about this. But you don't win anything with kids, guys. Come on, I mean, that's that's literally like a proven rule of football these days that you literally can't do this. And the difference between um, Arteta and Solskjaer is that they're both aiming at young players, but Solskjaer has also built a squad that has experience in there as well. You have the David De Gea in goal. You have Harry Maguire and Varane, who are both seasoned centre-backs, whereas you have also at the front Rashford and Sancho now and Greenwood. You've got McTominay, who is not that old. I mean... I'll be honest, our defensive mid has to improve by leaps and bounds. Um, McFred is not a thing that I trust, to be honest. And I said this the other day on All for United, if I'm going to plug something else that I did in this space. Yeah, but Nick, uh, do you really think, I mean, you have to admit that the likes of Varane and Ronaldo and all these big stars that you've brought in, I mean, the fact that you're playing Champions League is a big factor, no? So we aren't playing Europe, so we cannot offer these players these sort of competitions. And you know that they ask for them. I mean, you 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 cannot expect, you know, the likes of Varane to move to a club that isn't even playing Europa League. So I don't know if you can really blame Arteta for not bringing 
let's say, elite players, when elite players will not come to a club which isn't playing Champions League? I mean, I can blame Arteta for leading Arsenal out of European competition, though, because when he joined, you were in European competition. But he inherited a mess. A mess that was still consistently qualifying for Europe. And this is your first season without Europe in, in how long? Yeah, but but Nick, uh, you know, I think you'll agree that even though we were getting the results, th- th- this kind of uh, balloon was going to explode. So, I mean, we had a bloated squad. We had a lot of players that really were not Champions League play- European players. So uh, I don't think that he was the reason we we kind of left Europe. I, it, it was just a matter of timing. He took the job when everything was coming apart. Okay, guys, so I think we'll probably have to wrap it up there and we're going to ask for some closing statements, a, a final, let's say, 30-second to one-minute blast. Um, has your opinion perhaps been swayed by your combatant today? Milzy, we'll start with you. Will Arsenal finish top half? And if not, what's the one biggest reason why not? No, they will not finish top 10. Uh, they don't have the players to do it. They don't have the manager to do it. Um, and I think my biggest reason is a mixture of those two because they they keep talking about this cultural revolution. But when you look at the effect that Solskjaer and Arteta have had on their respective teams, I mean, Solskjaer has now taken United to their first two consecutive Champions League seasons since Fergie left, whereas Arteta has literally taken them out of European competition. Tony said that they weren't... European competition players, but they were because they consistently qualified you for European competition and that makes them European competition players, whereas these players that are coming in now, I mean, you're literally in 11th place as we talk about this. And, I, you know, seven games into the season is, is almost a quarter of the way into the season. So I don't see it getting any brighter. A quarter of the way is, is nine games, by the way, people. So we're, we're two games off being a quarter of the way. That's what I meant by that. But yeah, I, I don't see them improving at all. They beat Spurs, a poor Spurs team that probably also isn't going to get top half, to be honest. And I, I feel that the rejection of the Super League that they got, I think the reason they were going into the Super League so hard was because they knew that they weren't a Super League club anymore. They've got a big fan base, but they just don't have the player, manager or anything else that makes them a big club okay thank you Milsey. a nice concise 30 seconds once again we almost got for a whole episode without mentioning the super league but alas it was mentioned right at the death here right tony you've got a 30 second to one minute retort op- option available will they finish top half has your opinion been swayed and if they will finish top half what is the one biggest reason why they will okay yeah you know after the first three matches i was one of those fans thinking I mean, his job is on the line, talking about Arteta, no? And people were asking me, what would he need to do for you to give him a chance? And I said, looking at the fixtures, because you could see the next six fixtures coming up, and I said, if he could get 10 points from the next six matches, for me, it shows that he's turning things around and that he is able to get this player, these new players to play for him. So four matches later, he did get his three wins and his draw. So in my eyes, 
he saved his, let's say, his his position. And it's just the way that I see the players playing for him. I find that there is a togetherness there that is kind of nice to see. Why do I think they will finish in the bot in the top half of the table? Well, I just think this team needs time, and I think that um, they will only get better. So I really think that they will come I, within six points of Champions League, which would make it better than last season. Massive thing to say there. I mean, I also see a, a very togetherness about this squad. They really love playing together. What I see here is a lack of talent to go with it. But that's that's just my take on things. Mason, you want to you wanna close things up here? Let's wrap things up, yeah. Thank you very much, Tony, for your appearance here on Millsy's Corner, a very famous street where everything's always going on. And this is going to wrap up this one. And I think we need to open another one of those beers, eh, Millsy? Welcome one and all to another episode of Mason's Moneymaker. It's been a long time coming. We've been busy with interviews, but here we are. We're back once again, and we wanted to give you an update. But before we do, um, I do want to just mention once again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're not already, uh, tell your friends, post it on your story, post a fleet, which I think is what they're called on Twitter these days, because I'm down with, with the kids. Um, and uh, yeah, let, let people know because we're lonely out here. That's why we had to bring Tony on because we're we're basically sick of the sight of the of each other at this point. So um, thought we'd give ourselves a new scenery to look at. That's that's you, Tony. <laughs> oh yeah. So Millsy's finished interrupting Mason's money make, and I shall continue. The perfect picks app. We have mentioned it before, and we are very proud to announce that we have won the League of Leagues for. September. We are the champions. All of you heroes who have contributed to our scores, thank you very much for playing along. We do have a prize fund now available. So if you are listening to us right at this second, make sure you are following us on Twitter and send us an email at hotmail.com with this email header, Perfect Picks, and we will let you know how you can bag a share of our cash prize. Uh, and keep on tip, keep on tipping. We're going to try and win it again in October. We're already first place at the moment. So keep on tipping, keep on playing, and hopefully we'll have more cash available for you guys very soon. Maybe I wasn't paying that much attention. Uh, did you already mention our email address? Yes. Thank you for listening, Millsy. Great. Uh, I'm going to post this video on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, sorry. So if you are out there, hello. Uh, come and get in touch and... Um, Come pick up some prize money because it's worth it. And if you haven't contributed to the league, why haven't you? Get in there and uh, do your bit because you, otherwise you ain't getting no money. Tony, did you uh, contribute anything to the perfect pick score? Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't do, do too bad on the on the la- on last weekend. So yeah. Well, luckily, luckily that one came after we won the prize money, so uh, <laughs> we don't owe Tony anything. We, well, we unless, keep pushing unless we win the next one. So great.
Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Anorak vs. Anorak. The score lies at 4 3 um, in Nick's favour. Louis is back once again. Louis, how are you doing, man? Yeah, good, thanks. I hope you guys are as well. In the theme of famous comebacks, I again don't have one. I, I'm, the Liverpool Barcelona famous 4 3 comes to mind, but at 4 3 down, that doesn't bode well for me because that was the final score. That doesn't bode well for you, but we've got several more rounds to go. The score definitely won't finish 4-3. Um, let's see what happens on today's Anorak vs Anorak, where the topic is the Ballon d'Or. So, question one, I want fastest finger, buzz in with your name. Who was the winner of the first ever Louis. Ballon d'Or, Louis? Stanley Matthews. It is Stanley Matthews playing for Blackpool at the time in 1956. Louis takes the lead. Second question, also fastest finger, please. Buzz in with your name once again. Who is the only Englishman to have won? Louis. Kevin Keegan. Louis? Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan is incredibly the correct answer. The question was, who is the only Englishman to have won the Ballon d'Or twice? And Kevin Keegan won it in 1978 and 1979. Louis has been obviously a proper anorak on Ballon d'Or. Yeah, I was, I, I, I'm beginning to think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of skullduggery going on here, lads. I mean, there's twice. That is, no, 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 Louis, let me say this. That is twice now that you have answered before the question is even finished. And if the question was, who is the only Englishman to win the Ballon d'Or, you would not have said Keegan because Michael Owen also, also but, but, won it. But, Nick, I knew that wasn't the question because Stanley Matthews was the answer to the first question. So I knew it wasn't the only Englishman to win it. Still, though, I mean, the fact that you, that you, you know, there, there is there is some skullduggery going on here, and I am not one... Guys, to, I'm to, an to, absolute to ball of nervous energy. I barely contain my excitement as soon as Simon starts the question. I'm, I'm, you know that they, you talk, you only hear about elite athletes, they're living on the edge, fine lines. I'm shouting Louis when I, not before my brain knows the answer, but when my pure goal scorer's instinct thinks he could derive the answer in the seconds following. That's the, that's the margins we're talking about here. Well, all we can say is Louis has taken a 2-0 lead and Millsy somehow has used the term skullduggery uh, two times already in this episode. The final question is fairly irrelevant, but let's ask it anyway. Only Messi and Ronaldo and Luka Modric have won the Ballon d'Or in the last 12 years that it was awarded. But Louis. who won? Kaka! Yeah, bang on. That's the answer. It's definitely, that's the question. It's Kaka. Who won the award before the Messi-Ronaldo dominance back in 2007? It Kaka. was Kaka. Um, I think Louis shouted out the name and then Millsy shouted out the answer. But anyway, it was going to be 3-0 to Louis. A clean sweep. And he brings the score back to 4-4. Um, I feel that there was uh, there is no evidence that Louis knew that answer and maybe just jumped on the bandwagon of my answer after I had shouted it. So I, I feel that there is no evidence that there was a whitewash here ever. I'm happy. I'm happy to accept that. I'll take a gentleman's two one. A gentleman's two one or a three nil. Nonetheless, uh, Louis has the victory, and Louis did have control of the of the answering board so to speak. So a invalid answer given from Mills would, of course, not be counted. And I shall award him the gentleman's win on a technicality. 
There we go. Okay, so we're back to 4-4. Tune in next week, guys, for what is going to be an extremely tense and exciting round of Anorak versus Anorak. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Louis. Uh, guys, if you want to follow this, 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 whatever this is on, on social media, it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, I'm going to use the word skullduggery again because there, are, there is clear evidence of it here. There is clear, and, and look, at, if you are watching the YouTube version of this, you can see the looks on their faces that think, we've got one over on Nick. We've hoodwinked him. We've got him here, pinned down to a letter. And I'm not going to stand for it. And next week, I am going to pull out another comeback victory, uh, calling back to the ghosts of another Liverpool side where they won the treble, the, the treble that everybody knows about, where they beat Deportivo 5-4 to win uh, the UEFA Cup, which we last week learned was still the UEFA Cup at that point. Anyway, that's that. I'm done. Mason, you want to sign us off? Thanks for listening, everyone, or watching on YouTube. See you next time. Well, after that showing, it's it's four four. I remember um, on the theme of today that uh, Arsenal had a four four not 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 long ago. Uh, Cheng Tiote scored scored the, the the equalizing goal that day, I believe. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, I watch that video once a year for anybody that wants to know. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of our episode today. Uh, I think that's probably all I have to say about Arsenal's four four draw with. With Newcastle. Uh, Mason, you want to add anything else? No, I don't think so. Thanks for listening, everyone, as always. And Tony, thank you very much for taking your time out to join us today. Thank you for having me. Best of luck with the podcast. Thanks, mate. And um, yeah, again, just one last time because I'm really pushing it today. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or uh, send us an email to our Hotmails account. Uh, we we look in there almost daily into our Hotmails account, don't we, Si? We do, but we're quite lonely in there, aren't we? It's just the two of us most of the time. It's just the two of us Hotmails. We've definitely it? overused the Hotmails joke, but um, we're going to keep on doing it until people start emailing us. Yeah, until people start emailing us, stop using the Hotmails <laughs> joke. Uh, so we know that you're listening. We're going to keep pulling out the Hotmails joke. So uh, I'm going to end on that note today. Uh, thank you very much for being here, everybody. And um, see you next week or whenever I get non-lazy enough to cut an episode. Cheers. <laughs>